Don't touch that dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Laura. Dr. Jazz Stomp, 1927. Jelly Roll Morton and his Red Hot Peppers. Jelly Roll Morton, real name, Ferdinand Joseph Lamothe, born in New Orleans in September of 1890. He was professionally known as Jelly Roll Morton and was an American ragtime and jazz pianist, band leader, composer, comedian, hustler, 
storyteller, and an American classic. His composition, Jelly Roll Blues, uh, published, I think, in 1915, was one of the first published jazz compositions. And uh, he came to be known as one of the inventors of the genre, uh, known for his tall stories, which people towards the end of his career just kind of used to blow him off like, yeah, yeah, Jelly, you did this, you did that. It proved later on with some scholarship in the years following his death in 1942 that much of what Jelly Roll Morton claimed was true. Now, he did claim to invent jazz in 1902 and that no one invents really a total genre style of music. It morphs from so many different places. But what Jelly Roll Morton clearly did do is he organized it. He did the first arrangements of what was really an improvisational form of music. And his early recordings with the Red Hot Peppers in 1926, late 1926, really illustrate the brilliance of those compositions and those arrangements as well. Most of them originated as piano solos and he recorded them as solos and also um, with the band. And our show tonight will be listening and studying, well not really studying because I as much as I spout off about this stuff, I am not a deep scholar. I'm sure that a few little things I might say might be historically inaccurate, but the basis of it, I know, is correct. And Jellero clearly was at least the very first person to record orchestrated jazz and maintain its swing and maintain its improvisational brilliance and excitement and put it in the form of a composition, an orchestration. And here is one of the best examples and one of the first he recorded in late 1926, Jelly Roll Morton and his Red Hot Peppers, The Black Bottom Stomp. Thank you. 
recording, in my opinion, has everything. It has the joy of New Orleans melodic jazz. It has the sound and the feel of the New Orleans marching band. It has virtuoso playing, and it has a sense of humor. Some of the uh, tags back and forth between the instruments are funny. Morton was brilliant, as were so many of the musicians who worked with him on these sessions. Johnny Dodds, Omar Simeon, clarinetist. Now, I'm going to play you. Uh, th- this is a great example of uh, what in music, some of some musicians know the phrase, play it simple, stupid. And basically what that means is not so many notes, not so complicated. You can achieve so much in feel with so little if you know what you're doing. All these crazy notes, a zillion notes going back and forth. It's it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but you really don't need that to come up with the most outstanding swing and feel. And here is an, ex- an example of that. It's from uh, uh, Dr. Jazz Stomp, which we started the show off with. And this to me is the greatest, basically one note clarinet solo and one drum hit beat it propels the band and you don't need anything more than what they did pay attention all you over players out there Oh, yeah. Now, of course, it doesn't hurt to have the great Omar Simeon playing that clarinet. But anyway, there's that little bit from Dr. Jazz Stomp. uh, And I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Anyway, um, Jelly began his career, like so many New Orleans pianists, in the body houses in the Storyville district of New Orleans, where he played piano all night long. I think he was around 15 years old uh, by his own Uh, reminiscences uh, when he began playing. And as you can imagine, all kinds of things were going on in these classy body houses that he played in. And uh, Jelly Roll talked about a specific time in the evening when a lot of the girls would come down and they would shed their clothing and dance around for the patrons in the parlor. And um, he illustrated this on a recording. He called it the Naked Dance. And here is a little bit of New Orleans body house piano, Jelly Roll Morton's Naked Dance, recorded in 1939, towards the very end of his life. Thank you. 
up-tempo ragtime that Jelly Roll Morton performed in the style that he did when he was a very young man in the New Orleans brothels of the Storyville section. And fortunately for all of us, in 1938, I believe it was, uh, Alan Lomax the son of John Lomax, the great Library of Congress song catcher and documenter of great American music, got Jelly Roll into a studio and did an extensive session of recollections. Jelly had plenty of stories to tell. Lomax had the foresight to put these things on, these acetate recordings that we all can listen to and hear Jelly Roll tell the stories of all these different parts of his life and, and basically the history of ragtime and early jazz music in his, you know, from his own eyes. Here's a little bit of Jelly Roll himself talking about what it was like in early New Orleans, way before the Storyville section closed in 1917. Yes, I'm telling you, they put them in the market sometimes, and of course they'd run away, as I before stated. So the 30 days didn't mean anything. Of course it was a free and easy place. Everybody got along just the same, and uh, and that's the way it was. There was no certain neighborhood for nobody to live in, only with the St. Charles Avenue district, which was considered the millionaire district. In fact, it was. And that's how it was, why... Everybody just went any place that they wanted. Many times you would see some of those St. Charles Avenue bunch right in one of those hunky tunks. They was around, they called themselves slumming, I guess, but they were there just the same. Nudging elbows with all the big bums. And I'll go so far to say that some of them were even lousy. You would meet many times with some of those fellas that was on the levee such as the, the inferior longshoremen's, the long, what is it, longshoremen's, is it right? And screwmen's. And many of them, I would doubt uh, that uh, very unclean. Some of them was even lousy, I believe. I've known many cases where they'd take a louse and throw on another guy that was dressed up to get him in the same fix that they were in. <laughs> oh, it was a funny situation. Do you remember any of the stuff that they signed, Charlie? On the levee? Yeah. I'm a living man. As I mentioned earlier in the program, most of Jelly's compositions originated as piano compositions, ragtime, up-tempo, all types of rhythms. He had Spanish tinges, as he called them, in his playing, and he asserted that that was part of New Orleans jazz. We'll get back to that later, but I want to give you an example of uh, a Jelly Roll piano solo and then how it changed into an early jazz recording and then, say, 10 years later, into a swing recording. Um, first, we're going to give you, in Jelly's own words, the story of King Porter, Jelly Roll Morton's famous song, ragtime tune, King Porter Stop. Here's what Jelly had to say about King Porter. Then we're going to hear Jelly's piano solo version. Then two versions by Fletcher Henderson and his band, one in 1928, which is more of a straight ahead sort of choppy, uh, um, you know, Charleston sort of tempo jazz tune. And then 
how Fletcher Henderson's arrangement turned it into a swing classic that Benny Goodman grabbed Henderson's arrangement and really it helped catapult Benny Goodman to fame. King Porter stopped. What they did is they really just added a 4-4 rhythm to what had previously been more of a chopped up jazz tempo. I like to call it the Charleston beat, kind of choppy, danceable, but very different from that 4-4 rhythm that really got all the Lindy Hoppers going and made Benny Goodman and so many people so popular. Poor Jelly was left behind. So here is Jelly Roll Morton talking about, in his own words, the origins of the King Porter stomp and also getting a little bit into how he was sort of ripped off by the very loose ideas of copyright and how no one really was paying attention to it back then and in many ways how it really ruined the very final years of Jelly's life. But let's hear from Jelly himself and then hear some great versions of the King Porter Stomp. Uh, King Porter was the first stomp or the first tune with a name stomp wrote in the United States. Uh, You must pardon me for clearing my throat see because I've got to do it occasionally. Of course, I'll tell you the fact about it. I don't know what the name stomp mean myself. There really wasn't any meaning, only that people would stamp their feet, and I decided that the name stomp would be fitted for it. Of course, this tune, I was inspired by the name from a very dear friend of mine and a marvelous pianist now in the cold, cold ground. A gentleman from Florida, an educated gentleman with a wonderful musical education, far much better than mine. Now, this gentleman's name was Mr. King, Porter King. Now, this gentleman was named Porter King, as I before stated. And, of course, he seemed to have a kind of a yin for my style of playing, although we had two different style of playing. And, of course, he particularly liked this type of number that I was playing, and that was the reason that I named it after him, but not Porter King. I changed the name backwards and named it King Porter Stomp. Now, this tune become to be the outstanding favorite of every great hot band throughout the world that had the accomplishments and qualifications of playing it. And until today, this tune has been the cause of many great bands to come to fame. It has caused the outstanding tunes today to, uh, to use the backgrounds that belong to King Porter in order to make great tunes of themselves. Uh, this tune was wrote the same year as Alabama Bound in 1905. It was wrote the same time with another tune that I wrote. Of course, I never got any credit for it. Mr. Williams, Clarence Williams, got the credit for it. It was, you can have it, I don't want it. Uh, well, it went something like this. Oh, 
thing I say Oh, my baby Yes, baby You can have it from me Suppose it didn't sound so good, see, but uh, Clarence Williams thought it was all right and he'd taken the number and it was really his first hit. It was my material because I used to... In fact, I happened to be the man that taught Mr. Williams how to play. And, of course, I don't intend to say anything unless it's real facts. And it's really fact. Of course, we'll finish up by a plain King Porter stomp, do you think? Why didn't, uh, why didn't you ever copyright any of these tunes? Well, I'll tell you why we didn't copyright them. We didn't copyright them for, that is, for a great reason. Not only me, but a many other. Why the publishers thought that they could buy anything they wanted for $15, $20. Well, the fact was that at that particular time, the sporting houses were all over the country, and you could go in any town. If you was a good piano player, just as soon as you hit town, you had 10 jobs waiting for you. So we all made a lot of money, and 10 or 15 or 20 or $100 didn't mean very much to us during those days. I'd really like to see those days back again. I'm telling you the truth. They were wonderful days. So the publishers, we didn't give them anything. So they decided, we know a way to get them, so that a lot of publishers would come out with tunes, our melodies, and they would steal them. But we kept them for our private material. That is, to battle each other in battles of music. Battles of music is old, ages old. And, of course, if we had the best material, we was considered one of the best men. And, of course, the best player always had the best jobs. And the best jobs always meant plenty of money. When I made $100 a day, I thought I had a small day. And now today, if I make 10 I think I've got a great day. That's how that was. Is there any other information you would like to add?
Jelly Roll Morton's composition, King Porter Stomp, performed in 1933 by the Fletcher Henderson Band, who had recorded it seven or so years prior, and you see what that 4-4 tempo did. I think the swing in that version is really more equal to the way Jelly played it as a piano solo, believe it or not. The 20s version, as great as it is, just doesn't have that danceability. And like I said, these compositions had a new life in the swing era, and as Jelly said so himself, he never really got the credit he deserved for composing and influencing so many of the later bands. There's really so much to say about Jelly Roll Morton, one of my favorites. And I'm going to break this up into perhaps three different shows because I have lots of recordings and there are so many stories and many of them right out of Jelly Roll's mouth. Now, here's a little bit of Jelly Roll himself talking about his early years and how he got his name. I'll tell you, as I can understand, my folks were in the city of New Orleans long before the Louisiana Purchase, and all my folks came directly from the shores, or not the shores, I mean from France, but it's crossed the world, and the other world, and they landed here in a new world years ago. I remember so far back as my great-grandmother and great-grandfather. Tell us about what their names were, Jelly. Uh, their names, my great-grandfather's name was Emile Peche. That's a French name. And the grandmother was Mimi Peche. It seems to be all French. And as long as I can remember those folks, they never was able to speak a word in American or English. They own slaves? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't think they had no slaves back there in Louisiana. I don't think so. I don't know, but they never spoke of anything like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, my great, my grandmother, her name was Laura. She married a French settler in New Orleans by the name of Henry Monette. That was my grandfather. And either one of them spoke American or English. Well, my grandmother bore sons named Henry, Gus, Neville, and Nelisco, all French names. And she bore the daughters, Louise, and Viola, and Margaret, 
That was the three daughters. Louise, her eldest, her elder daughter, happened to be my mother. One night while working at Lib on the stage doing comedy, Sam said to me, you don't know who you're talking to. I told him I didn't care and we had a little argument. I finally asked him who was he, and he stated to me he was Sweet Papa Cream Puff right out of the bakery shop. That seemed to produce a great big laugh. While I was standing there mugging, as you call it, a thought came to me that I better say something about the baker shop. I said to him he didn't know who he was talking to. He finally wanted to get acquainted, so he asked me who was I, and I stated to him I was Sweet Papa Jelly Roll with the stovepipes in my hips, and all the women in town was dying to turn my damper down. What do you mean by saying you had stovepipes in your hips? Well, stovepipes, I don't know. It was one of these kind of a things, you know, it was very warm.
Jelly Roll Morton, in his own words, telling you about his family and how he got his name. He kind of soft pedals Jelly Roll because really that was a slang term back two centuries ago for female genitalia. So Jelly isn't really getting into that. He's giving us sort of a watered down version, but that's probably the true story about how he actually got the nickname. He's just not getting into details with Alan Lomax about what the word or the phrase really meant. And after that, we heard my favorite version of The Pearls recorded as a solo piano uh, piece in 1926 for Vocalion Records. If you're just tuning in, this is Joe Lauro, and you're listening to the American Grooves Radio Hour, where this episode is dedicated to one of my all-time favorite musicians, Mr. Jelly Roll Morton, one of perhaps three broadcasts we will be doing on Jelly. And you're listening to us at WLIW-FM Southampton over the air at 88.3, serving Eastern Long Island and Southern Connecticut. And if you're up island, as they say, 96.9 in Western Suffolk and streaming at WLIW.org backslash radio on all of your favorite streaming devices and platforms. This is listener-supported WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR radio station. The Pearls. Let's go back to The Pearls. Now here is Jelly Roll Morton's version of the same tune, but here is his arrangement of that tune for a jazz band. Recorded in 1927 with the Red Hot Peppers, The Pearl. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
the things you do When I met you I thought you was right You married me And stayed out the first night Do you think you treated your wifey right? Lord, I hate a man like you Creole songbird, Lizzie Miles with Jelly Roll Morton on piano. She's singing his composition, I Hate a Man Like You. One of the great classic blues of the time, pretty obscure, but absolutely lovely. It combines Morton's wonderful New Orleans piano style and his deep lyrics, I think far beyond so many of the classic blues tunes that were churned out back in that era, the mid-1920s. Anyway, um, I had the great pleasure some 15 years ago of being shown around some classic places in New Orleans by my great friend, Mr. Tom Saunders, who is a working tuba player and band leader 
in New Orleans. He plays the tuba and the string bass, all the bass instruments. And Tom took me around and he showed me Morton's house on Frenchman Street. And he also took me to a home that he told me was Lizzie Miles' home. Now, I don't know if that was her home when she came back to New Orleans after leaving New York uh, later in her life, because I understand she was born in the Faubourg Marini section. I think that's how you pronounce it, of New Orleans, which is outside of the quarter. But nonetheless, that day I got to see Buddy Bolden's house, Jelly Roll Morton's house, and Lizzie Miles' home, still intact and lovely in the great city of New Orleans. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're finishing up our first of several broadcasts on the great Jelly Roll Morton. This is Joe Lauro, and this is the American Grooves Radio Hour. And I'm going to leave you with one of Jelly's later recordings that he did for General Records at the very end of his life. And we'll talk about Jelly's tragic later years, an epic, no doubt, uh, in, encompassing a cross-country trip out of desperation. It's, a, it's an amazingly poignant story. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, but I'm going to leave you with one of Jelly's final recordings and one of his early body house tunes from the Storyville District. A lovely, lovely tune called The Crave. Good night, folks. <laughs> WLIWFM Southampton, 88.3 on your radio dial, and at WLIW.org, and all streaming formats. 